Okay. First Samuel. First Samuel. Let's go to chapter 25. Chapter 25, verse 39. First Samuel. Verse 31. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, who has kept back his... Verse 39 of... What I say? Thirty-one. <laughs> You're supposed to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> First Samuel twenty-five thirty-nine. Thank you, Art. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, "Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach in the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from evil. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head." Then David sent a proposal to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Nabal at Carmel, they spoke to her and said, David has sent us uh, to you to take you as a wife. She arose, bowed her face to the ground and said, Behold, your maidservant is a maid to wash the feet of my Lord's servant. Then Abigail quickly arose, rode on a donkey with her five maidens and attended that attended her, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also had a Jezreel, I can't pronounce her name, and in verse 44, now Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife. Okay, now turn to Second uh, Samuel 3. Second Samuel 3. Okay, 2 Samuel 3, verse 2. Now, the sons born to David at Hebron. We had Ammon by the Jezreel. I can't pronounce this one by Abigail. And then the third was Absalom by another wife. The fourth was by another wife. The fifth by another wife. And sixth by another wife. And he had, he had Micah, who he had no children by. She was barren for in her entire life. So at this point, while they were in Hebron, the seven and a half years that he was king there, he had seven wives. Now, let's go to Second Samuel 11, just over a few chapters. Chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It happened in the spring at the time that the kings go to battle that David sent Joab his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbath. But David stayed in Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house 
and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him, he laid with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Then David sent to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Joab and the people in the state of the war. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. And Uriah went out from the king's presence. Um, verse 9, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all his servants of his lord and did not go to his house. Verse 10, Now when they told David that Uriah did not go to his house, David said to him, You've, you've uh, not, uh, you have not come from a journey why did you not go down to your house verse 11 Uriah said the ark of Israel and Judah are staying in temporary shelters <clears throat> and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in open field shall <clears throat> I then go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife by your life and the life of your soul I will not do this then David said to Uriah, Stay here today, and tomorrow I will let you go. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now David called him, and he ate and drank before him and made him drunk. On the evening he went out to lie on his own bed in the Lord's house, but he did not go down to his house. Now in the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah, he had written the letter and said, Place Uriah in the front of the fierce battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. So it was that Joab kept watch over the city and he put Uriah in the place where he knew there were valiant men and the men of the city went out and fought against Joab and some of the people among David's servant fell and Uriah the Hittite also died. Verse 26 and 27. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that, excuse me, when the, the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her, her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife and she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Second Samuel 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There are two men in one city, one rich man and the other poor. The rich man had great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one ewe lamb, which he brought and nourished. He grew up together with him and his children. He would not eat of his bread. Or he would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. 
Now a traveler came to the rich man and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come. Rather he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David's anger burned against the man and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely this, the, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Verse 7, And Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. Verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord shall also take away your sin, and you shall not die. However, because of this deed, you have given occasion to the enemy of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also born to you shall surely die. Look at verse 18. When it happened on the seventh day that the child died, the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they spoke, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to his voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to the servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David rose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he came to the house of the Lord to worship. Verse 21. His servant said to him, What is this thing you've done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, and the child might live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Psalms 51. The note we have here for the choir director of Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Most all of us can relate to Psalm 51. Not that we've broken two of the Ten Commandments. We murdered and committed adultery like David did. And yet We've all been a play in a place where we know we've fumbled the ball, where we have messed up. And we find peace and solace in this psalm. David was a man after God's own heart. He chose him to be king. And yet he legitimately thinking out loud, <laughs> broke two big commandments. And he wasn't coming forth real quick about it. It was a year 
about a year before Nathan, and I know his finger had to be that long. He stuck it in David's face and he said, you are the man. Until Nathan confronted him, I don't know what he thought. Maybe like we think, you know, well, we've got by with it. You know, we're, we're okay. And yet, I had to know, and as Psalms 51 unfolds, David was a miserable soul. And more so, when he realized exactly the cost, and he cried unto the Lord. Verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to your greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. In the book, Granger talks about the darkness that he went through and he was aware of the separation between him and God. And he uses a term in the book that I've never heard before. He calls him he was a dog tag Christian. You folks that have been in service, the very first day they issue you your dog tag, you have to say, I'm Protestant, I'm Catholic, I'm Jewish, I'm whatever. Is that true? And that decision, you know, he calls it making a dog tag confession. Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak, speak and blameless when you judge. Yes, other people were involved in David's sin. Bathsheba, big time. Uriah, big time. Joab, you know, the nation. And yet, David knew that it all came from God. He said, you are the one I've sinned against. And until we can understand how our sin is dark and turns us from a living God, that's where the water hits the wheel. And he says, Against you I have sinned, the Lord. Verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Well, 
what he's going back to here is the depravity of man you know the the is the sin of birth or conception that particular thing is not a sin but it goes back to what Adam did our sin nature and the depravity of all of us you know he says you know in in sin my mother conceived me I was I was a sinner when I was conceived verse 6 and behold you desire the truth in the innermost being in the hidden part you make known wisdom Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Hyssop was used in the, in the, it's a leafy branch, and you remember when the death angel came through in Egypt, uh, Moses told the children of Israel, take hyssop and dip it in blood and put it on the, doorpost in the lintels of the house and it was used in in uh, in the sacrificial system all all from that time to this time a leafy branch uh, a, a, a feather duster of sorts <laughs> that 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 they used and he says Purify me with hyssop and, and make me clean and wash me that I may whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy of gladness and let my bones which have been broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. David came to the realization and we when we confess to the Lord what the burdens of our own heart and the, the missteps we've made you know you know make me clean you know I, I want to be clean I want to be uh, fresh and then verses 10 through 13 which are are just gems in scripture create in me a clean heart O God and renew a stead spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with your willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will be converted unto you. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, because David had seen what did God do with Saul? He removed his hand from Saul. He didn't have God's presence in his life. The Holy Spirit's not mentioned very many times in the, New, in the Old Testament. This is one. 
But David had seen where, where the Lord had taken the promise of Saul away. And as a lad, he could do no wrong, so to speak. But as he got older, got to be a king, got to be a little arrogant, got to be a little selfish, I won't, I won't, I won't. We just read, the man had seven wives. And yet, the devil used a weakness of a beautiful woman for him to commit two terrible, terrible acts. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David was, was, was sure that he could. He had seen it. He says, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with your willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted unto you. I'm going to give you a little spoiler about the book. Granger Smith is going into the ministry. He's leaving the country music scene and all that that entailed. And he's going into the ministry. But he came back to this realization through some events in his life that drove him to his knees and he had to confess that he was just a dog tag Christian. David goes on in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing your righteousness. And all the commentaries I read, you know, said this is the direct uh, pointing to murder when he killed Uriah. He didn't throw the spear or the arrow or whatever killed Uriah. But what he told Joab put him in the front of the battle so he will die. He didn't pull the trigger, but he did pull the trigger. He said, deliver me, Lord, from this blood guiltiness. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Verse 15. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For I do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. You are not pleased 
with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God. The Lord, you know, when we studied Isaiah, this was a, a thing that happened time and time again when we went through Jeremiah. He says, I don't want your sacrifices. I'm tired of them. And David said here, he says, I don't delight in them. Otherwise, I would give it to you. But he says, you're not pleased with burnt offerings. What you want, what you want is the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. We know that to be true. Another way to say the same thing, what does God want? What does Pastor Bobby preach to us? He wants us what? To worship and obey. He wants us to worship and obey. So, what about Psalms 51? Why does it resonate with all of us? Because David was a God after God's own heart. He was king of Israel for 40 years. And he messed up. And when Nathan came and stuck his finger in his face and he says, you are the man. And he says, Lord, I'm sorry. And sometimes we have to be confronted with our own sin before we are willing to confess and ask God's forgiveness. Was David sorry that he got caught? Yeah. Because for a year he didn't do anything about it. But when he was confronted with it, he asked God to forgive him. And we don't know how old David was at this time, but he continued to have children. And of course, he had another child with Bathsheba, who was Solomon, who continued his legacy. The 80 years in Israel that was the best they've ever had, and there'll never be another time. Well, I, I say there'll never be another time. Uh, I have no idea what the future holds for Israel, but those 80 years were the golden years for Israel. The 40 years that David reigned and the 40 years that Solomon reigned, and yet Solomon failed too. God said, don't marry these local girls. And he did. Okay. Comments. Psalm 51. Peace and comfort knowing that 
I can be forgiven for everything I've done if I just do this. <laughs> I said, I know it's a story of David's fall from grace, and but it also resonates with me because it is proof to me that everything I do that's wrong, if I come to God with a, with a contrite and true spirit about it, true repentance, mm -hmm. that I am forgiven. And it proves to me that fact. True. Anybody else? Bill? Uh, it's not, not, there's nobody nowadays puts their finger in my face except the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm glad he does. And, uh, that's for forgiveness. Thank you, Bill, for that. Turn right quick to Hebrews. Um, I, I had it down to, to, to bring up Hebrews chapter 9. Um, do you remember that, that when on the Day of Atonement, when the Israelites... Um, went there and the, and the priest um, went into the Holy of Holies but before he did that he took two goats and one he slaughtered and one he took and we call it the what? Scapegoat. <clears throat> and he took it out in the wilderness and it was taking the sins of the people out and they did it every year look what the writer of Hebrews says here and let's um, begin in verse 7 of chapter 9 of Hebrews but into the second only the high priest entered once a year not without taking blood which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance the Holy Spirit is signifying this that the way to the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle still standing, which is a symbol for the present time according both gifts and sacrifices were offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Taking putting the sins of that goat and taking it out into the wilderness didn't satisfy the guilt of the people. Scripture says, says that. Look down at verse 14. For how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Thank you, Bill. That's a miracle of the cross. When we come to him, we can pour our heart out like Pat just said, and he'll forgive us, and he'll cleanse our conscience. Now, let me quickly say, You've heard me say it many times before. 
the devil's two trump cards guilt the devil will come back and says you are guilty and you know what you've done and you need to say that is under the blood that is under the blood and the next thing he, he does is fear the devil's two trump cards Jesus has forgiven you once and for all he shed his blood and in, if you ask him to take it away he will take it away just like David asked him to take it away and cleanse us the Old Testament law couldn't do that the Old Testament law couldn't do that thank you Bill anybody else anybody else last two days does everybody hear me <clears throat> the last two, okay, okay. <clears throat> the last two days um there have been so many things in my past that i've just out of the blue would come up and you just after a while you think where is this coming from and this morning i was doing my devotions and out of the blue something else came in and i just sat there for a minute and said satan get behind me in jesus name i am you're not taking control of my mind over the past that's right that's good preaching, Sharon. Another thing I, I, I'm sure that we, uh, we are justified by the blood of Christ. And a lot of times people think, well, I'm born again, I'm all set, and that's it. It's all going to get better. Yet it says that we will be, as Christians, uh, there will be suffering and tribulations. And that's the sanctification part. Sometimes because of our stubborn will and stubborn nature, as we walk this path, we think we've lost everything. We can't go back. We can't go back to Christ. I've had this times when I've drifted from Christ. Especially when I was in the Air Force as a young Christian, but still even you think back and like you said, with the guilt and the shame and stuff like that. And yet, like you said, it's under the blood. And the sanctification process as God walks with us, with the Holy Spirit, to redeem us, and put a smile back on our face, knowing that He is doing a work in us. Not something, you know, I've heard people think, well, you know, say things like uh, faith too, they, they, uh, they'll pray over somebody. Oh, it's not because you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get healed because you don't have enough faith. Wait a minute, faith comes from God. Not us. It's our faith in him, his sovereignty, who decides who will be healed, how they'll be healed, when they'll be healed. And yes, no, and wait, the answer to prayers. And uh, this 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 Psalm 51 has meant a lot to me over the years. Uh, it's that sanctification process that we're all in the room. Get closer and closer to having the life of Christ allowed into us. Okay. Next next Sunday we're going to go to Psalms 100, which is a real short psalm, and then we're going to go to Psalm 103. And um, and I'll have the books next next week, and I would just we'll share them among ourselves. And it's a quick read, but I, it tripped my trigger. And of course, I've got enough sense to know that that what 
what trips me may not trip you. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I've been impressed to do it, and so that's what we're going to do. Let's pray, and we'll go from this place. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your love for us. We ask that you'd be with us in the further services, be with everything said, done, sung, preached, prayed. And Father, just bring honor and glory to yourself, and we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.